we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 14 through 16. And so if you have your Bible and you want to get a head start, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, this mor- it was fun this morning at 8.45, my, my whole family, so my, uh, my two boys and my daughter and my wife and I, we all sat together in church for the first time in a long time. My son came home for Emily's birthday this week. He lives in Atlanta. And then my other son's getting ready to go off to college. And so I was just telling somebody a while ago, I, how many of y'all have, are sending kids off to college in the next, uh, pr- pretty soon, uh, next couple weeks? So how many of y'all are doing it for the first time? Any of y'all doing it for the first time? Okay, the first time we did it, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, we dropped our kid off, Hank off, and so I went to the bathroom and like just cried like a little schoolgirl. And then I came out and acted like it was no big deal. It's like, hey, have a good time. It's not, not a problem. Uh, so anyway, so I get to do that again this coming week. So my other son is leaving, and then I'm going to be surrounded by women. And so that's going to be interesting. But uh, uh, anyway, so it was fun for me to be able to be in church with my whole family this morning. doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about today. Just thought I thought y'all probably cared, so I'd just share that. Uh, anyway, so Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be looking in verses 14 through 16. And today we are beginning a new series of messages called Share. And uh, the reason for this is because this is, this is a, really, it's a command from God. Uh, God has called his people to share, uh, to share the good news, the good news of Jesus with other people. Now, and I know whenever we talk about sharing, we talk about sharing our faith. If you've grown up in the church, you've, you've heard this your whole life, and so you're used to this message, and yet very few people actually do it. And we actually, very few people actually end up sharing for various numbers of reasons. I mean, one of them is, you know, we don't want people to think we're strange. Uh, we don't want to put anybody off. We think our faith is supposed to be private. A lot of different reasons. But I think there's also another reason. And that is, I, I just don't think it's in our nature really to share. Uh, because just in general, we are selfish people. I mean, if you, you have children, you already know this. Children are sweet and they're cute. But they are selfish. They're little demons. And so we, we, if you're a parent, you know this, right? I mean, your kid, what, the first word they learn is not necessarily, you know, uh, hey, mom and dad. It is mine. And so they don't like it when you take anything from them. And so sharing is something that's difficult. But there are good things, though, that do come with sharing. Uh, let, let me share with you a story. There was a, a guy, he had gone to McDonald's, and when he went there, he saw this elderly couple, and they had ordered a hamburger, french fries, and two drinks. And so he's watching them, and they sat down at the table. The husband got a knife out, and he, he cut the hamburger in half, and he gave his wife one half, and he took the other half, and he got the french fries, and he gave her one, he had one, and he just, he just did it until it was divided evenly. And then uh, he, he sat there, and then he began to eat. And the wife just was sitting there watching him eat. And a man that was in line saw this, and he thought, that's kind of sad. And so he walked over to them and said, would you, would you care if I bought you all an extra hamburger and fries so you didn't have to, don't have to do that? And uh, the, the man looked at him and said, oh, don't worry about it. He said, we've been married for over 50 years. He said, I mean, everything we do is we, we share everything. It is, it is 50-50. It's the way we've always done things. And then he looked at the wife, and he said, well, ma'am, why aren't you eating? And she said, well, it's not, not my turn yet with the teeth. Now, uh, whenever, whenever you're sharing, I, you know that story? This, this is a hard segue, but I love that story when I saw it. So I'm gonna sh- I just thought I'd share it with you. There are good things that come with sharing, you know, like sharing your teeth. Uh, but anyway, today in our scripture, we're going to see Jesus calls us to share, not your teeth, but he calls us to share. Jesus, in the scripture we're looking at today, Jesus calls for us to be a light. And so the question is, 
well, how do we how do we do that? How can we actually be a light where we are sharing the goodness of Jesus with other people? And that's what we're going to see in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. This section of scripture is known as the Sermon on the Mount, most famous sermon that was ever preached. And as Jesus went through the section of Scripture, what the Sermon on the Mount is, is the Sermon on the Mount is the guidelines that Jesus gives us for how believers, how you, how this church is supposed to live our lives. And if you go through the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to find out very quickly that Jesus has a very high bar that he expects his people to follow. But in the section we're looking at today, one of the things that Jesus calls his people to do is he calls his people to be a light. Now, why does he do that? It's real simple. Because we live in a world of darkness. And we all know this. I mean, it is a dark, dark world that we live in. I mean, you can look at the news this week. You look and see what's happening in North Korea. There are threats of nuclear war. That's darkness. You saw what happened in Charlottesville yesterday. Guys, that is darkness. So whenever there is darkness, what's needed? Light. And so it completely makes sense that whenever Jesus, he lived in a time that was very dark, Jesus makes a very obvious, uh, a very obvious command to his followers. He said, you live in darkness But I have called you to be the light. And so the question is, how do we do that? You know, as believers, as as village church more specifically, as individual Christians, yeah, how how do we be a light? Well, if we're going to find that out, there are a few things that we need to study or to examine concerning what light is. And I I want us to start off by taking a look at, at this. The first thing to know about light is the nature of light. The nature of light. If you look in verse number 14, Jesus said this to his followers. He's speaking Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to his people. He says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, whenever Jesus made this statement, he's preaching. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. He's in northern Israel, right near the Sea of Galilee. And in that area, it is, a, it is an area that is surrounded by, it's, it's really like a hill country. There are mountains there, but there's, there's hills and mountains all around him. And it's here that Jesus says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And so I've had the privilege with some of y'all to go to Israel. And I just wanted to show you what this area looks like. And so you can show that on the screen. Oh, that's my hole in one, Todd. I, I want to show you, but not that picture. If you'd show the next one. Um, there we go. All right. Now this area right here, <laughs> this area. Todd, have you had a hole in one? Anyway, uh, this area, this area right here is. Um, I'm I'm standing uh, up on on the on the on the cliff, and you can can you see the, the mountains sort of in the background there? Okay, so that's the mountains in the background. I'm right next to the the city of Nazareth, and uh, right next to Nazareth, you just go a few more miles over, and there's the Sea of Galilee. So this whole area is ringed. It, it's ringed in mountains and hills. Now, this is just a little extra here. This is pr- kind of fascinating to me. See that, 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 uh, sort of that farmland in the middle? That is the Valley of Armageddon. Uh, so right there. And so it's, it's around this area where the, the hill country of Israel is. And so, so picture this. Jesus, when he's teaching this lesson, this is where he is. And Jesus says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Now, and that makes sense when you think about it. In this day, typically what they would do is they would build their cities on the side of a hill. And so whenever you were traveling, it, it was very easy to pick out where you're going. You just looked up into the hills, and if you, you'd see some buildings. Oh, there, there's where we're going. We're, we're going right there. So Jesus said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, whenever it was nighttime, it was easy when you were traveling because you would see lights in that city, and, and you would know, because it was, it was situated high up, you would know where you needed to travel. Okay, that is what Jesus is saying that believers are to be like, that Christians are to be like. He said, you are to be like a city on a hill so that people will know where to go. You're to be a light. Now, on my own, I, I don't produce light on my own. I don't produce light on my own. I'm not worth following on my own for a very simple reason. Because in my nature, I'm at odds with God. It is in my nature to be rebellious. It is in my nature to live for me and not to live for anybody else. That's who I am. And that's who you are. So the only way that I can actually be a light is if I allow Jesus to have charge of me so that he will come into me, and then I can reflect his light, reflect Jesus. It's sort of like the relationship between the sun and the moon. You know, moon doesn't produce any light on its own, but what it does is it reflects the light of the sun so that everybody can see. Okay, that, that's who we are to be as Christians. We are to reflect the light of Jesus on to others. Now, now the question is, well, how do I do that? How do I shine the light of Jesus on other people? It's easy to say I'm to be a light, but what does that mean? There's a couple of pretty simple things I think we can do. It doesn't mean they're easy, but there's some simple commands that we're given in Scripture. One of the things that we can do is, is we can take this book, God's Word, and we can read what it says, and then here's the key. Not just read it, but then you live it. So whenever Jesus says that we are to love our neighbors, you know what you do? You love your neighbors. When, whenever Scripture says that we are to forgive those who have sinned against us, you know what that means? means that you actually do that, that you forgive those who sin against you. So, so now let me tell you something, if you do that, if you actually live out what Jesus says, what God's word says, people are going to take notice of that because that is totally foreign to us. It is in our nature to shine our own light and not to shine the light of Jesus. But if you live according to God's commands, according to what God's word says, man, it's going to get people's attention because you are living differently. It is also a part of the nature of light to expose. If we're going to be a light in the world, it means that we expose darkness. You know, when it's dark, it's hard to see. So if we are a light, what we are doing is we are helping people to see more clearly so that they can, so that they can find a safe path to travel. Uh, there was a, a, carpet, a carpet cleaning business. I thought they had an interesting strategy on how to clean carpet and to get customers. And what they would do, or what they do is they, they go into homes and they turn out the lights and they use a black light. And whenever they use a black light, if y'all ever watch like CSI or anything like that, you know that black light's scary. Right? So you turn on the black light and it picks up everything. Now, in particular, the guy said what we do is if people have pets, he said this is very effective. He said because it shows what pets leave behind. You know, good things, bad things. He said, so we go in, we turn, we turn on the black light, and he says, and what they see is they see remnants of a pet on the carpet, the couch. He said, on the drapes, on beds, on lamps. And he said, here's, here, he, here's the common response when people see it. 
So they look at it. So one lady looked at it and she said, I don't care what it cost. Clean that up. Another, another man said, I don't even think I want to live here anymore. Now he said, it's a great business. He says, you, you turn the lights out and then when you do that, he said, then you turn on the real light, the black light. And he said, man, it exposes what's really there. Okay, I thought about that and I thought, that right there is who we are to be as believers. We are to shine the light of Jesus so that people living in the dark will see what's really there. Now here's what's interesting. Those people who had the carpet cleaning company come into their homes, they were fine until that guy got there. They were living with all of that stuff. It was just they were living there in ignorance, not understanding, not seeing the stuff that was really enmeshed deep down in their carpet. But when they saw it, they said, get it out. Okay, as believers, we want to shine the light of Jesus in a world that's dark because, let me tell you something, people are living in ignorance. We don't understand the dirt and the grime that accumulates with life and understand that it does damage to our lives. You know, if you're just simply living and you say, you know what, I, I don't want any light. I just want to continue to live in darkness. You can make that decision. But if you are a believer, you can't make that decision. Because let me tell you something. If you're a follower of Jesus, you no longer belong to yourself. You now belong to God. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Village Church, a part of the reason why we are here is to be a light to expose darkness. Because when we do that, when we live and expose and share light with people, people begin to see that they need Jesus. But if we don't shine our light, then people, people just live in the grime and the dirt of this world, thinking everything's going to be okay when it's not going to be okay. So Jesus has called us to be a light. Now, now how do we do that? What do we need to know about light? We need to know the nature of light. But here's another thing we need to know about light. We need to know the position of light. Now, now look in verse number 15. Jesus said, No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. Now, in Jesus' day, the lights people would use, they would use these little clay lamps. And there's a little wick in it, and you light it, and it have oil in it. And, uh, and so, it, you know, it's not like it was an LED light. You know, it didn't give off a ton of light. And so what you had to do, it gave off modest light. So you would want to put it in a place where it would, the light would spread and cover a larger area. And so that's why Jesus says, I mean, you don't take a light, and you don't, you know, you don't, uh, you know, don't put a bowl over it. Right? You, you don't do that. You, you take the light, and you position it where it casts the most light. If you look in verse number 15... Where is the light? What did they put the light on? Put it on a lampstand. Why, why do you think it was there? It was there because it was, it was lifted up and it could shine more light around than if you had it lower. It allowed more people to see. Okay, so then what's the correlation that Jesus is making with believers being a light here? Well, Jesus is saying, you want to, you want to shine your light in such a way that you are spreading it to the most people possible. That, that, that's, that's his desire for us. Now, that is contrary to what culture tells us today. Here's what culture tells us today. Your faith is private. Your faith is something that is between you and God, and you keep it to yourself. I mean, it's sacred. You only keep it between you and God, and that's it. Okay, that sounds good, but that's not what Scripture says. 
Scripture tells us that we are to let our light shine so that people can see it. That they can see the light. They can see our faith. You know, a, a comedian, uh, Bill Mayer, he has a show on HBO. And uh, it's interesting to me. He, I, every, about every election year, he'll say, I'm always intrigued when politicians say that their faith informs their decisions. He says, shouldn't. That should be separate. Okay, now I look at that and I think, let me tell you something. If your faith does not inform your decisions, not just for politicians, but for you and for me, your faith is not worth anything. Your faith should inform everything that you do. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He said, you want your faith to be lifted up, not not so that people will see you. We, We want people to see Jesus. And so I want to be open. I want to be public. I want people to see that when I live, I am living for Jesus. Now, why is that? Because people are in darkness. And people need to see the light. And if they're going to see the light, hey guys, we have to share the light. We have to share that message of Jesus. Uh, there was a lighthouse keeper who worked on a, worked in a lighthouse, obviously, but he's on a rocky coastline. And his job, every, every month he'd get a supply of oil to make sure that the light was burning. And so there'd be people come in. He said there's some people that came in and they needed some oil. They needed help for various things. They said, can you loan us some oil? We, you know, we need to keep our house warm. Can you lo- loan us some oil? I need to lubricate some of my farming equipment. And he would, he would divvy it out. But by the time it got to the end of the month, he'd run out of oil. And there's a couple of days when the lighthouse was not functioning. And so there's a couple of ships that ran aground. And he was under investigation. And they came to him and he told them what had happened. And he said, I was doing good things. I was trying to help people out. And it was the, the reprimand that was given to him was interesting. They said, you were given oil for one purpose and one purpose only, to shine the light, to keep the light burning. Village Church, we have one purpose, and we have one purpose only. It is to shine the light of Jesus. Because if the light is not shining, and it is our responsibility there will be lives that will be shipwrecked because those people don't know where to go. Now, I promise you, if we shine our light collectively, this place will be a different place. Our community will be transformed. Lives will be changed. People will be different. We will make a difference. Jesus has called us to be a light. Now, we need to know the nature of light. The nature of light, it is to shine. It is to expose darkness we see we need to know the position of light. You know, we, we are to boldly live out our faith, to proclaim our faith, not to hide it. And it's the last, the last thing we are to know about light. We need to know the radiance of light. Verse 16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Okay, the question is, well then, how does, how does the light that we are to share, how is it to spread? You know, how, how, is, how is my light to shine on the people around me? Well, the question is, what position are you putting yourself in? You know, your light doesn't just shine for Jesus by you walking up to somebody and saying, hey, I just want you to know I'm a Christian. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But you want, you want to know the best way for your light to shine? It's not with you saying stuff like that, and I'm not sure you should be ashamed of that, But the best sermon you and I will ever preach is how we live. 
the example that we set. When people see that our faith informs our decisions, it will make a difference. James wrote about this in James 2, 14 through 18. He said, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? He said, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, it's important here, it says it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. People will be influenced by the way you live. And you are influencing people right now, whether you realize it or not. If you are a parent, you are an influence to your children, whether it's a good influence or a bad influence. You are influencing them right now. As Christians, if you claim to be a Christian, let me tell you something. You are influencing people for your faith, either in a good way or a bad way. Now, if people see us living out our faith, putting it into practice, then people will look at us and say their faith means something because they live according to their faith. Now, if, you, if your faith says one thing, but you're living differently, let me tell you something. That's going to be a turnoff to people. Say so that, that faith must not have much power. It doesn't change anything about his life. I'm not interested in that kind of a faith. See, the way that we live should draw people to Jesus. You know, I kind of got hung up on some lighthouse stories. I saw a couple of them. Here's another one. Uh, there's a, uh, this is in uh, Brun New Brunswick, Canada, I think, is uh, where it is. And there's a church on the coastline, and it's high up on the coastline, and it serves as a lighthouse. Now, it's not a lighthouse, it's just a church. But they said that the, it's interesting. The church, when people are, are uh, when, when I guess like sailors and boats are coming into harbor, the way they get there is they look at the church and they just make a beeline for the church. And if they do that, they're going to stay away from running aground. They're going to stay away from the big rocks. They're going to be able to get, get the boat in safely. Now, when I read the story, I thought, now that is a really cool analogy to me for Village Church. I thought when, when, people, when people look at Village Church, here's, here's what I hope we'd be, able to, we'd be able to say. That when people began to move towards the church, when they move towards you as individuals, that they're going to find safe ground. That if they set their course on you and say, I am going to listen to them, I'm going to follow him, I'm going to follow their example, that it will lead them on a safe path where they are going to find Jesus and stay away from being shipwrecked by the junk and the garbage and the anger and the bitterness and the darkness of this world. I thought, how neat would that be if our church, our people, followers of God truly were a light to the world? Now, now here's the question. What kind of light are you? What kind of light are you putting out? Now, here's an easy way to find out. Just what does your life produce? You know, what, what's some of the stuff in your life? What, what is it doing to point people to Jesus? Just examine yourself. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16, you shall know them by their fruits. Now, this, this, is, this is not just true in church life. y'all. This is true in every area of life. I mean, if you, see a, if you see a tomato on a plant, you know that plant by its fruit, right? That's a tomato plant. You know, if you see, a, if you see a, an apple on a tree, you automatically know that's an apple tree. The same thing's true for you. 
When you look at what kind of fruit you're producing in your life, that is who you are. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits, visits us. Now let me close with this question. What kind of light are you putting out? It's a question for you. It's a question for me. The way that you live, what is it, what is it pointing to? Is it pointing to Jesus? I'm not saying you're perfect. But I'm, am I, I am saying that when people look at your life, do they see that you're a person who is following after Jesus and they see grace in your life? They see forgiveness in your life. They see mercy in your life. They see that you care about, about them knowing who Jesus is. Is that what they see in your life? Or do they see that you're putting out the kind of light that says, live for self, live for me? See, if we're, if we're going to be a light, Jesus calls us to be a light. He calls us to share. But if we're going to be a light, we need to understand the, the nature of light, the position of light, the radiance of light. Now, now, I have no doubt that there, there are some of you, you are followers of Jesus, but when you look into your life, you say, you know what? My light is not really on the lampstand. My light is like you know, those movie theater lights that are down on the ground so that you can look at your feet and, and walk down the aisle straight, and that's about it. Some of you, you say, my light, you can't even see my light because it's covered up by some junk I'm doing that should not be there. Now, I believe, if, if we're going to be a light, I believe this. I believe that for some of us, that means that there are some sins, there are some things we are hanging on to. We need to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm, I'm, gonna try, I'm, I'm turning away from that. Forgive me. You know, that, that happens to the best of us. There are people who have been in the light, but now their light is dimmed. You know, one of the first people I think of is, I think of King David. David is a man who's called, who was called a man after God's own heart. You know what happened to David. Well, his light got really dim because he got involved in a relationship he should have never been in. He committed adultery. He committed murder. And he began to realize God's hand of blessing was off of him. And he said, God, forgive me. In Psalm 51, he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And you know what God did? God did that. God restored him so that he could be a light again. Now, I believe this. Some of you as believers, there are some things that you have in your life should not be there. And you need to take time to talk to your God and confess your sin to him. And say, forgive me, Jesus. I, I will try. I'm repenting of my sin. I'm turning away from it. And I'll tell you this. God will begin to clean your life. He'll create in you a new heart. There are others of you who need the light of Jesus to start shining in your life. Because you've been living on a path that just simply points to you. And you're looking for satisfaction and joy in life. And you might find it, but it seems like it's, just, it's very brief. Maybe you're beginning to understand, I, I am looking for something to fill me, but I haven't found it yet. I mean, it's Jesus. It is only Jesus who will fill your life. It is only Jesus who forgives. It is only Jesus who can give you a new start. And if we believe this book and we're going to take it seriously, we understand that. It is only Jesus. Maybe some of you today, need to, you need to give your heart to him. And say, Jesus, not, not me, Jesus, you. Jesus, I, I, will, I will follow you. Because my way is not good. 
but I am trusting that your way is the only way.